2: I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I'm speaking to you from Warsaw with the latest game podcast from Euro 2012. We're just about at the most exciting part of the tournament when uh, the duds and also some rather big fish are getting knocked out. Not quite sure which category Russia and uh, and Holland uh, fit into, but uh, today we got two guys who are going to help me figure it all out. It's uh, Peter Lansley from uh, the lovely town of uh, Lviv. And... Up from Gdansk, it's Rory K. Smith. Gentlemen, um, because England are playing, we need to start with England. And uh, Peter, I want to start with you. Wayne Rooney is back. Now, uh, during the England game, I started, or just after the England game, I tweeted out this question. Okay, so Wayne Rooney comes back from his two-game suspension. Uh, does he drop Welbeck or does he drop Carroll? What will he do? What should he do? bunch of people came back to me and said, no, he needs to drop Young instead and go 4-3-3, which don't expect he'll do. Um, what's your take, Peter? Who, who would you uh, drop to make room for uh, Rooney?
3: Well, I can understand why people said that on, because of Ashley Young's disappointing game the other night. But, I mean, that's one disappointing game in several where he's produced um, exceptional moments and he's, he's been very much on form until... Plus, as you say, I, don't, I can't see Roy Hodgson suddenly going 4-3-3 or, or having Wayne Rooney in the hole behind an attacking two. I can't see that. Um, I think um, Danny Welbeck is probably the better striker to start at the start of Carolyn Welbeck with Rooney just off. Welbeck runs channels very well. His link-up play is excellent. His touch is good. He's got a goal in him, obviously, now, and what a goal. Um, and Andy Carroll, although he, I thought he had a, a very decent game on Friday, would be the better one to come from the bench
2: if necessary. Rory, are you uh, are you on board with that scenario? Especially given the fact that I mean, let's face it, Ukraine need to win. Um, they're a very attacking side anyway. The Ukrainians are so. It, it might sort of play right into uh, Uncle Roy's counter-attacking plan if that's the way he wants to go.
1: Yeah, I think England have got quite a sort of difficult task for all that they'll have a massive confidence boost after beating the Swedes that to to go into the final game against the hosts with the hosts knowing that if they win they go through is is, is a fairly daunting uh, occasion for England I think Peter's absolutely right I think it will be well back to the start the club link up I think will be probably the most important factor in that both Welbeck and Carroll played played reasonably well against Sweden I don't think, don't think we should pretend that either of them were sort of you know the new Pelé or whatever but they um, they played reasonably well against Sweden Welbeck probably shades it on the grounds that him and Rooney got 30 goals together I think for United last season so there's obviously a there's obviously a, a sort of an understanding there that maybe they wouldn't be quite as easily with Rooney and Carroll um but on the other hand, I've got to say it's harsh on, on both of them, the fact that Rooney has to come back, you know, Rooney comes straight back in. I think if you were a club manager, you maybe wouldn't do that after that result, after both your strikers have scored and your your best player is coming back from a suspension entirely of his own making. A club manager maybe wouldn't do that, but obviously Hodgson, you know, is do or die, so he kind of has to. Uh, So I'm going to say, yeah, I I think it will be well-backed, but I feel kind of sorry for for Carol.
2: You mentioned that. um, I'm told here by our uh, producer, um, Chris Skinner, and and I don't know because I'm not in England like you guys, that uh, Roy Keane wouldn't pick Wayne Rooney for this game. So you're sort of on the same wavelength, or do you actually think that, as you said, because it's a tournament, it would be simply idiotic uh, not to pick your best player and might explain why... Roy Keane is in a TV studio and not managing uh, at the Euros.
1: Yeah, I think Giov- Giovanni Capitani has been pretty damning of Roy Keane's managerial career at some point yesterday in Poznan. And I, I think it would be, wouldn't be idiotic not to play Rooney. I think it would be cutting your nose off to spite your face not to play Rooney. But I, I, I don't know, I kind of think it is, it is harsh on, on, on Carroll or Welbeck, whichever one gives away, that Rooney, who, who, Mr. Thurse James, does he kick a Macedonian for no reason. And although he's come out and said, oh, you know, I've grown up and I've apologised, you know, the the proof of of that pudding will be in the eating. I think it is harsh on one of them. They play well, they straw. In a, in a sort of rousing victory if not a sort of all-time classic performance and then they get dropped because he's back obviously the practicalities and the pragmatism of football mean he, the best player comes back into the team but I just think I think if, I do think if it was a club side you, you'd make that player get his place back rather than just handing it back to him automatically but Hodgson doesn't have a choice you have to play really so England has to play to win because as you quite rightly say the Ukrainians will attack they're, they're a good attack inside they sort of crumbled a bit against the French. and they know that they've got the. Sort of swell of national support behind them, but so Rooney has to play. So you have to have your best players on the pitch. But it's it's unfortunate that that it's come to this. I've got to say,
3: wouldn't Rooney be a hell of a game changer to have on the bench? It's too big a risk, though.
2: Peter, you're out in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, Roy and I are in uh, are in Poland. And what what struck me is, you know, in a lot of these games, and maybe it's the the the, the crappy economy. Um, the, across Europe, but it looks to me like um, Polish fans uh, snapped up a whole bunch of uh, unsold tickets and decided to go to the game uh, as neutrals, but uh, you know, clad in, uh, in in Poland shirts and Poland uh, and, and, and Polish uh, flags and um, and scarves and whatnot, and, and singing Polska, Polska. Um, has that happened in in Ukraine as well? And uh, and in general, what's the mood been like? Because from over here we see all these sort of uh, blonde people in, in yellow shirts getting all very excited. Is, is it is it translated sort of throughout the towns?
3: Yeah, it is. It's it's been like having a a three team match sometime in the city centre. As um you know, as you say, as the Ukrainians have been getting involved. And I've also seen some. I was going to uh, which game was it the other day? Um, and there were some Lithuanians. I just stopped to ask the way on the, on the metro and some Lithuanians <laughs> all had England shirts on and they were getting involved. That was, that was quite a weird one. I can't think why they were doing that. But um, um, yeah, and like last night's game, Germany v. Denmark was um, all but a sellout. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it has caught on with the neutrals. I think they've been um, very involved. Obviously, if Ukraine go out, that's going to be a real um, testing point for the tournament then. Um, but hopefully the football has been of sufficient standard and they're able to get tickets, um, sufficient, you know, not too expensively, so it'll carry on.
2: Roy, uh, from the, from the neutrals perspective, and we have to assume that, um, there are a certain number of our listeners who might not be, uh, England supporters, imagine that. Um, from the perspective of the tournament, it's one of the things we often say is that, you know, if, uh, well, when the hosts go out, you sort of lose some some steam. Now, obviously, at the World Cup, South Africa went out early. Uh, this time around, Poland have already gone out. Um, now, we know Peter's an England fan. Uh, I don't quite know if you are. Certainly, probably not as big an England fan as Peter. But if if Ukraine go out, will it be bad for the tournament as a whole? Or do you not buy into those those types of arguments?
1: Well, no, I, I, I do buy into it. Yeah, I and mean, I, I don't support England. So, I... I I am a relative neutral in these matters. I think it would be good for the tournament if the Ukraine went through, because I think it would be nice to have one of the hosts through. It would actually have been great to have both Poland and the Ukraine, because what, what you get when you have the host there in the quarterfinals or in the, the, the latter knockout stages is, is a sort of a building sense of anticipation, and the hope starts to come in. Not to so say in Poland, I, I, I've not been to Warsaw for a few days, but uh, certainly here since Poland went out, the, the, the fans are still out in force. There's still a lot of singing in the streets. There's, there's, a, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of sort of joie de vivre, shall we say. Um, lost it, it still it still feels like a tournament which she didn't initially so obviously the, the polls have bought into it and you know that that tournament spirit going to continue but I think it would be great for for that for the, certainly the Ukrainian half of the draw if the Ukraine went through I don't think the polls would be supporting them particularly I've got to say which is kind of the weird thing about this tournament um, but yeah it would, I think it would be it would be positive for the tournament if the Ukraine went through, so you have that entire nation sort of really really excited about them, the knockout stages uh, i don't know, i don 't know if they will um, but it, 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 Peter's is absolutely right it 's a test for the host nation when you go out, how do you respond? Poland have responded really well the flag are still flying and what have you. The uh, ukraine I, I don't know that they, they will go out I don't, if they get to the quarters they won't go any further so that point will come but it will be good i think to, to delay it just a little bit
2: what is the ukrainian for shawad did you not take those uh audio um english ukrainian <laughs> lessons that the paper handed <laughs> us out i i guess i guess not. some of us are more professional than others but um <laughs> Roy, you touched upon poland uh going out i, I thought those were Pretty incredible events um, uh, on on Saturday night. Greece defeating Russia, Poland losing to uh, uh, to the Czech Republic, Poland and and Russia going out. Um, I want to get you first, um, Peter, actually, on the uh, um, on this business with the head to heads. Uh, now, the reason we use head to head as a tiebreaker is to avoid. Screwy situations like we've had in competitions past, where you've got one team that's out of it and they don't care, and so somebody so they'll concede like fifty goals because uh, you know another team needs the goals to pad out their goal difference, and so that's why we go with head to head. Of course, head to head can also lead to you know some pretty sort of bizarre looking results as we've had in years past as well. I mean, but ultimately Russia and Greece end up on the same number of points. Greece advance. Russia go out. Um, is that fair?
3: Is it fair? Well, it, it's set up beforehand, isn't it? It's, it's where the goalposts are. So um, so I think in, those, in that perspective, it is. Um, there was a little, just to digress, there was a little phase last night when the score was coming through from the Portugal-Holland game where a draw would have suited both Germany and Denmark and the and the lull in the game was perceptible but I don't think we seem to have been getting to the sort of fixable situation was it Austria v Germany was it a few years a couple of decades ago um I don't think it's unfair. No, I think if you've if you've done well against that
1: opponent, then you deserve to have the edge. It is a complicated system, and the the permutations of it are slightly sort of Byzantine, and that that's a mass, that is a drawback. I was sat in the uh, in the German press camp about two or three days ago, trying to work out how on earth the Germans went out last night. There, there was a combination of results. put the Germans out and as it turned out it was a lot simpler than than we we sort of perceived it to be but the the combined might of the British and the German media trying to work out what the straws needed to be that Germany would definitely go out took about an hour and a half which is an, an insight into journalism's stupidity um but the fact that it's complicated aside it's had one very simple effect which is that pretty much all of the games in the final round of the group games have something riding on them and that's fantastic and there, there's been points over the, the first two days not it'll be the same tonight I'm sure with, with the Italians and the Croats and the Spanish where I think every team has been about to go through apart from Possibly apart from Poland, I think. But at some point, over the course of the two days, every team has has sort of had one foot in the quarterfinals because of the the various combinations of results, and that's really interesting. And I think I, I think it's worked very well. The test comes in the in the one eminently fixable fixture, which obviously is is Spain against Croatia. The Spain, the Spaniards and the Croats are, are, are sort of adamant that the idea that they'll draw draw to all is nonsense. The Italian players are insisting that they're not even thinking it's going to happen. But then I I think everyone said that before Sweden and Denmark in 2004.
2: The tournament says goodbye to Russia and their uh, uh, lovable uh, fitness coach, Raymond Verheyen, who um, spent much of the time on Twitter telling everybody how wrong uh, all the other all the other teams were in their approach to fitness and how their players were all too tired and too injured. But then, of course, um, well, hey, funnily that, it was it was Russia who looked absolutely spent and exhausted in the second and third games. But um, let's not go there. I'm sure Raymond Verheyen will, will pop up somewhere close to us uh, at some point telling us about the wonders of periodization or whatever the hell he calls it. Uh, sorry, that was just my little rant about somebody who annoyed me. But let's talk about somebody else who won't be going um, ahead.
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: At the tournament, and that's Holland. Um, Roy, I want to start with you. A Holland go, they lose to Portugal um on a night then where Ronaldo sort of proves the uh, proves the doubters wrong, at least for ninety minutes. Um we've sort of talked about Holland and how the, the defenders are all awful and, and midgets and how the strikers don't work together and you know, and how before last night when he when he played Fun der alongside De Jong, there was there was you know no midfielders who could pass the ball. Um does this mean that we need to reflect on the fact that maybe twenty ten Holland weren't that good and we're just kind of extremely lucky to get to the final, or is this a case where Bert van Marwijk just simply screwed everything up um, for for the past eighteen months?
1: Well, I, I think their the record in qualifying probably suggests that, that the, the latter is not the not the, the the explanation. Given that they were did not win all their games in qualifying and they looked sort of imperious, I'm not think they're playing much better football than they played in South Africa. But I think I think. The, the Dutch. The problem for the for the Dutch, for me with the Dutch was that their defence obviously is slightly weak. But the main issue was that the there was no sort of joint between the the defence and the attack. There was. At times, it looked like they were sort of playing 4, five, one, four sorry, 4-1-5, four, with Nigel de Jong just sort of wandering about, sort of playing in defence. And so there was there were two two entirely separate teams, and the Germans exploited that that gap, and the Portuguese exploited it, and the, they were unlucky against the Danes. I think the, the Dutch, though so it should be said, in a different group, their tournament would have been very different because they they, they have played two of the best teams in Europe in their group, and. With, I guess that's the thing about I think the group of death, isn't it? That someone has to go. It can't be the case that everyone gets through. So the Dutch can, can consider themselves slightly unfortunate. It looked like a lot of their, their old ghosts returned to haunt them in terms of... I mean, Arjen Robin played a ridiculously selfish brand of football for the first two games. Van Persie and and, and Huntelaar last night didn't really sort of link up at all. I barely noticed either one was playing. Schneider played well. He's probably the, the, the main positive. But I, I just think that... They didn't, they didn't have as much of a team ethic as the Germans or the Portuguese, and that's been a crucial difference. And that in a group where, where there could be no margin for error. That's the problem. Peter, um,
2: we, we touched upon uh, uh, Ronaldo there. Um, he was kind of mocked uh, after the last game where, where Portugal won, and, and yet he seemed upset at the end because he didn't score, and then he fluffed some very good chances. Um, I thought he was exceptional last night. I... Is, is Ronaldo somebody who is just always going to just divide opinion because of the way he looks and the way he plays and whatnot? not, and, but, but, but can that be enough to, uh, uh, to carry Portugal far in this tournament?
3: I think he always will divide opinion even within an individual, I mean I love the way he plays football, I love his brilliance, his, his cockiness, his willingness to try the unexpected, but on the other hand, I think his, you know, his attitude to his teammates when things aren't going right is is horrific. I read, really, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I didn't see last night's game. I've just seen just a quick clip of the two goals. But um, but on Wednesday, he just needed someone who he respected to pull him aside after the game and say, "For goodness' sake, this is about the teammate. This is about you know you making other people feel good if they have inferior talent to you." And and that was that was really irksome, and I think he just deserved everything he got. But then he came up with the goods, doesn't he? And that's just how brilliant he is. Um, now, can he make the difference? Um, yes, I think I think he can because I think they're quite they're quite a functional team, Portugal, apart from Nani and Ronaldo. But if he's on fire, then well, he's as good as anyone in this tournament, isn't
2: he? I have a. Uh Uh, a grumpy german friend um let's call him a wolfgang just for our purposes who complains that germany tried to attack and whatnot but he says that among the starting uh of the starting front four that joachim Löw puts out there they have one guy who can pass the ball straight in uh in in and that you know the other three are just kind of runners and lumps and the they should. He should actually play more of the skillful players he's got coming off the bench, like Goethe, and Royce, and Schürrle, and Kroos, and whatnot. Um, I mean, you watch Germany. Uh, is my grumpy German friend just being sort of grumpy and uh, annoying, or, um, or 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 does he have a point?
3: His standards are far too high. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> right. I, I, I agree with you. I think Germany and with Spain are, are the standout, and um, I just wonder if Germany might. Have more in their lockers in Spain as well. There's more, um, there is more variety to it. I, I think the front three are ahead of Ursula. are superb. I thought Podolsky was purring last night. He, he was playing within himself, and yet um, got a cab home with um, someone from Arsenal, and they just, you know, cannot wait to see how he fits in. Um, no, they're more. They are. They're, they're strong. They're powerful, which is why you might say those front three are are runners. But their link-up play when Ozil comes and joins in or Kadira just sort of... That, that seems to be one of the differences between the Germans and the Dutch playing the same formation. But Kadira and Schweinsteiger can come and join in comfortably. And, you know, their touch on the ball, their little diagonal passes as they're approaching the penalty area are just of the highest quality. So, um no, I think... Germany, OK, Denmark aren't the strongest team in the world, but I think Germany are looking awesome.
2: Rory, are, um, are Germany the best team you've seen in the, uh, in, in the tournament, and uh, are they getting better as the tournament progresses?
1: I think the Germans are the... Yeah, I think they probably are. I think they are, they are, they are on a par with Spain in fact, in terms of how impressive they've been. Um, I think... I, I, I take the, the point that your grumpy German friend is making. I think that there are... There are times when you look at Gomez and you think he's too static. There are times when you look at Thomas Muller and you think his control is not brilliant. There are times when you look at Pedolce and you wonder whether he's whether he is sort of top quality. And when you've got players like Royce and Goetze and, and André Kürer at Bayer Leverkusen who, who are in the squad and who are who are willing to play, it must be difficult for the for the Germans and for, for Jürgen Löw particularly to, to think, right, well, who am I going to stick with because they've got all these choices. Um, but they... The speed that the Germans play football, and I think I think the crucial thing that that means that what means they are the standout team alongside Spain, is is that you can take one part out and the system stays the same. And the speed with which the Germans break is is just breathtaking. It really is. There was one there was one point during the Portugal game where Jerome Boateng sort of just haired forward from a I think it was a counter attack from a corner, and you had Podolski and. And Urso was just flying at the, at the Portuguese defence. And it end, ended up with the third man in attack was Jerome Boateng. And he, he had a shot and it sort of sh- screwed wide and it, it sort of broke up the attack because it was Jerome Boateng. But the, the speed they play at is much more impressive. <laughs> and at the risk of saying something stupid, I think that in a straight fight, the, the, that very pensive, contemplative Spanish style and this sort of breakneck German style, I think the Germans would win. I
3: think teams have worked out that you you can't defend high up against Germany because of that that breathless counter-attacking that they can come up with. But when they had to be patient against Denmark, as they will against Greece, um, they showed such authority. They showed such patience, such composure on the ball that I think they can play that that way as well as what Rory rightly said. So um, I think they've got it all.
2: Okay, we're going to wrap this up by giving uh, some props and some credit to two teams, two underdogs who are through to the quarterfinals, and who I think you know few would have predicted ahead of time. I want to start with you, Peter, and and ask you about Greece. It's almost too easy to go out there and, and draw parallels between the the the, the vote uh, on, uh, on 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 Sunday, the the elections, and events Saturday night when Greece and improbably. And probably Advanced and drawing parallels with 04. Now, I don't think there is any parallel with 04 because, uh, certainly not in the way they play and surely not in, in the fact that they've been lucky. Because I think Greece have actually been very unlucky. Um, but it is a great story, isn't it? Greece advancing once again.
3: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great story. Um, the style of football isn't, I mean, it's been such a high standard football this tournament, hasn't it? And um, Greece just give us that little, um, that little stubborn relegation battler. Who um, I, we all love the underdog. I loved it when they won in 04. I felt like it, you know it showed that anything could happen, any team could come through. But um, and everyone seems to be saying that at this tournament, do not they? Well, if Greece could do it, um, I don't think they'll go too much further. I don't think Karagounis is the. Um, you know, at 35 is or whatever, I don't think he's the same influence. I think he's a bit of a poser as well, actually. And I don't see much haste um, going through an attack. I think Samaras is ponderous. Geekhouse doesn't look like he can do anything apart from score the odd goal. Um, so, and of course, they're playing Germany. So, while it's a good story, I can't see him going any further.
2: Well, um, is of course, suspended for the uh, Germany game after... Uh Um, and and I'm going to say this now because I've been really good I haven't picked on referees but that was a scandalous decision he deserved a penalty instead he got a booking which means uh, uh, the Greek captain will miss the game against Germany and uh, no I don't think Angela Merkel had anything to do with that Uh, but Rory the other team the Czechs talk about under the radar Um, on paper you looked at this Czech side and it didn't look like there were any you know, big stars or rising stars to talk about, apart from people like Peter Cech and Rosicki and Baros, who we've, we've kind of, you know, been familiar with because we've been seeing play for the, for the past decade. We just all kind of assumed, okay, well, you know, they'll probably go out as Poland and Russia advance. Um, they got their behinds handed to them in the, in the first game, but um, they came back two victories in a, in a row um, are, are they better equipped to to spring a surprise? Can you see Peter Check just turning into a monster, saving everything, and and then somebody, you know, Jirasek uh, or or Gervaisa or somebody nicking something at the other end? Are you prepared to go on a limb?
1: It's possible. I, I, I think as we as we discussed previously, the Portuguese have have one individual who is head and shoulders above anything else on anything else on the continent to be perfectly honest um, but maybe Javier and Iniesta would dispute that but the, 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 to me the Portuguese are, they're not perfect I think if the Czechs were playing the Germans or the Spanish you'd, you'd obviously just say yeah fine that, that's your lot quarterfinals can't really complain I think there is a possibility that the Czechs could surprise the Portuguese um, I don't I think they will but of all the quarter, all the likely quarter quarterfinalists I suppose apart from England or, or the Ukraine they're, they're the ones they'd probably have wanted um, they they're a good team, the, the, the Czechs. There's not there's not a single name there, especially without Rizic, who who looks like he won't play in the quarters. Um, there's not a single name that you look at and think, "Wow, great player!" You know, sort of even an up and coming superstar like an Ericsson, someone like that. There's, there's no one in that Czech team who who really grabs the imagination. But they they function. They're, they're solid defensively. They've got they've got an intelligent midfield. I thought David Lindbergh looked fantastic against the. Young, uh, the polls I thought he, the, way, the way he controlled in the field was really impressive they've got Milan Baros who's, who's not to everybody's taste but he's a, he's a runner and he's a worker and defences don't like playing against people like Milan Baros so I think <clears throat> they have a little a little a slim chance of, of going through because they've got a relatively kindly draw but as it's generally with the checks it, it's um, it's just impressive that they've, they've got this far after that awful opening game and it's testament to, uh, to Michal Bilek and, and the work he's done
3: And I like Gabriel Selassie as well. I didn't see the second game, but um, when I saw him in the middle game, he he looked fantastic,
2: racing forward from right back. He he looks a star. That's right. Gabriel Selassie, of course, a famous last name and uh, uh, an Ethiopian uh, uh, father. I'm sure he's one of those guys, though, who's probably getting uh, uh, bored by all the uh, long-distance running stroke marathon references. Uh, Gentlemen, it's been a fantastic tournament Um, thus far. Hopefully, it'll continue... Uh, uh, at, at the same, same standard I want to thank you both uh, for being with us and I want to thank our listeners as well um, I'm going to be back in two days time in the meantime you can visit thetimes.co.uk you can follow us on Twitter you can download our iPad app which has um, all kinds of uh, whistles and bells and uh, fancy features it is worth checking out if you haven't done so already um, in the meantime thanks for joining me and bye bye